Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in K-State, hosted by Joe Matthew and Reggie Blackwell. It's KU week, and who better to have on the podcast but ex-KU head coach Mark Mangino, who also was the assistant coach at K-State under Bill Snyder. This is a fascinating discussion with Mark, and I bet you will learn something about Mark in his past that you didn't know before. So definitely check it out. But first, a message from our sponsor. The last of the major pro sports leagues is off and rolling, and college basketball is ready to go as well. Bet Online remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, and NHL are all in full swing. Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the hoops betting action, along with every sport available at your fingertips, with both desktop and mobile access at any time. Head to Bet Online today and remember to use the promo code BELIEVE for your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Well, how are you doing today, my good friend Joe? I'm doing most excellent. How are you doing, Reggie? Hey, I'm doing well, but I got to tell you, we took a little slack from uh, our people at Kansas State last week. They wasn't really. Happy that our podcast is actually Believe in K-State. And we're 100% supporters of K-State. I That's think they correct. took a little bit. Of, I think they took some of the comments that we were a little critical about what happened in the Texas game a little bit personal. But I think every all in all, we'll get past it. I think so, too. We both want the best for K-State. And, hey, we give opinions and – we give strong opinions, and that's what people like. So what can yeah, you do? We, we got to give them what they like, but we know we bleed purple. We love purple. I'm all about Kansas State, and I'm excited to have a guest. We are excited to have a guest that has coached me at Kansas State and has coached at the University of Kansas because as we go into to Kansas week, we're going to jump right into our guest and then – We'll do a little bit of recap on the back end of Baylor, but we're excited about having this coach who coached me, uh, a great guy. We've got many, many stories. I can talk to him for an hour, but he's a Youngstown State graduate, started at University of Youngstown State as an assistant coach, went on to Geneva, coached in high school, came to coach at Kansas State, when I was there, um, Joe, he was a actually a GA when he came to Kansas State. I was actually coached to – he was doing scout team play calling, but he went on, cut his teeth for seven years at Kansas State, went on to be an O-line coach under Bob Stoop's staff at Oklahoma, went on to be the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma, did a dynamic job at that position and then finally got the opportunity to coach a Power 5 team at University of Kansas in 2002. 
where he was there until 2009. And let me just give you a little bit of some accolades of, of Mangino. He was the Frank Boyles Award winner in 2000. He was the AFCA Coach of the Year 2007, AP Coach of the Year 20, 2007, Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year in 2007, George Munger Award winner in 2007, Home Depot Coach of the Year Award in 2007, Paul Bryant Award winner in 2007, Sporting News Coach of the Year in 2007, Walter Camp Coach of the Year in 2007, Woody Hayes Coach of the Year in 2007, and the Big 12 Coach of the Year in 2007, led the Kansas Jayhawks to their first 12-win season, won an Orange Bowl. My good friend, Coach Mangino, how you doing, sir? Hey, I'm doing great, Reggie. It's good to talk to you, my man. I remember you way back when, when you were just a player, putting the wood to people. No doubt, Coach. <laughs> and, and, and if it wasn't Reggie didn't people, do that, did he? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Reggie can make plays now. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm kidding. And, and if it wasn't for people like Mark Mangino, and I say this with a heavy heart, that, that stood the test of time when we were just trying to figure it out at Kansas State, but Mark was in the fight with us every day, challenged us on every single avenue. And like I said, this this man here, everybody only seen the back end of when he did real well at Kansas, but he earned every stripe of it. Yeah, thanks, Reggie. I appreciate that, man. I'm just working hard like all, all the rest of the guys. Yeah, so let me just ask you, Mark. I want to start off being uh, coaching at both programs. You've been under some legendary coaches, Bill Snyder, Bob Stoops. Then you got the opportunity to go to Kansas. This is Kansas, Kansas State Week. So we're talking big-time rivalry week. Just give me your perspective of being at each school and being on both sides of the of the fence of this rivalry. Give me your thoughts. Well, uh, I was a young coach. I was an assistant coach at Kansas State there. Uh, so I got a little different perspective as an assistant coach from being the head coach at Kansas. But uh, let's talk about K-State. You know, those were those were fun times. You know, that was uh, a job that Coach Snyder took and, and turned it around, probably the greatest turnaround in college football. Uh, so there, I was able to watch him and the staff and learn how to deal with adversity, learn how to deal with problems. Uh, learn how to prepare to win games. Coach Snyder was a great person in preparation for games. So it was kind of a fun experience, a learning experience. And it was, a, it, it was a, you know, it was tough work. It was tough work. But in college football, if you're going to win games, it's going to be tough. And uh, being that Coach, Coach Snyder took over K-State, which wasn't a great program, we all know that. That's history. And he made it uh, a significant program on the national landscape. So being on there and being there on the ground level, and, uh, you know, I came a year or two after Coach Snyder started, but nonetheless, it was early. And uh, was privileged to coach a lot of great kids like you. You know, K-State, the kids were tough. They were physical. They were tight-knit guys. They kind of enjoyed each other's company. The coaches liked being around them and vice versa. 
So uh, that was a little bit of a, uh, you know, the first KU game for me. I figured that must be a big game because they're right in the same state as us. So we're going to have to try to get after these boys. And uh, I think uh, one year we did lose to them, but I think seven of the eight years I was there, we defeated Kansas and had some really good teams at the time, really good teams. Uh, From the perspective of being the head coach, you know, uh, you know, I, I I would have preferred not to be at a school that was so close to Kansas State after I had built so many relationships and, you know, helped play a small part in their turnaround. But there's only so many Division One schools, Power Five schools, and I was familiar with the Big 12, so I took the opportunity. In life, you just got to take opportunities. And, you know, being on somebody's team one year and against them the next is all part of the college football coaching experience doesn't mean you're enemies it just means you got to compete against each other so i knew some you know i i knew how kansas state would prepare for kansas because i had been there and uh, i knew that when i took over the job at kansas we were no match for kansas state i understood that but i got our kids to play hard but apparently the first time we played them i didn't get them to play too hard because k-state beat us 68 nothing and um Somebody after the game said, well, your old boss, Coach Snyder, poured it on. He ran up the score. And I said, no, 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 no. There's no such thing as running up the score. you got to stop people. you got to stop them from scoring. I don't expect K-State to lay down on the ground because they're beating us bad. No, their kids want to play. Their twos and threes want to play. So being across the field, I knew that we had a, a monumental task to try to get on the level of Kansas State. But we didn't worry too much about Kansas state because holy cow, that's one game a year. We need to win a lot of games to be successful. And then when we got ready for K state week, it was a big thing. There was a lot of fun. All the college football fans in the state of Kansas were having a good time and, you know, bagging on each other and stuff, you know, and it's kind of a fun environment. I I would say that, uh, you know, it was well, every year that I was a part of it, it was a clean, well-played game. Both teams, uh, played hard, tried to kick each other's butts, but they respected each other. There was no cheap shots. There was no dirty play. It was uh, it was a game that football fans in in um, the state of Kansas could be proud of. Absolutely. Go ahead, Joe. Sure. So, Coach, uh, I'm curious how you ended up at K-State because you were uh, a high school coach before you got to K-State, correct? So was this a job opening that you applied to, or did you know someone on the staff? How did you end up in Manhattan? Well, I did. I had a good friend on the staff, the the offensive line coach, John Latina at the time. I met Coach Snyder at a convention. I asked him to speak on my behalf. Coach Snyder brought me in. Uh, It it wasn't a high-level job, though. It was a graduate assistant. Uh, it paid about $8,600 a year and I had a wife and two children, but I knew that you have to make some sacrifices, uh, to, to reach your goals in life. And, uh, it's the best decision I've ever made, even though at the time I thought I may have screwed up because we were dirt poor. I mean, we, we didn't have much, but coach Steiner kept his word. He promoted me to full time and promoted me throughout my career there. And it worked out great. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah, so uh, it's funny because my freshman year at K-State was 1991, and that's the first year you were at K-State, so that's kind of interesting. Yeah, that's correct. 
Yes. Yeah, I re- it's funny you talk about the pay because I vividly remember they gave coach K State gave Coach Snyder an extension, and I think they gave him a race to make like hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year. This was the early; it was ninety one or ninety two, and people freaked out. They wrote columns in the paper about how can you pay a football coach that much money, and all the professors were mad that he was making that much money, and so it's kind of you know coaches didn't make you know this was only thirty years ago or so. They didn't really make it nearly as much as they do nowadays. For sure. Uh, but I think that's the best investment K-State ever made. I mean, oh yeah. Who who who's had a bitter bigger impact on the entire campus than Coach Snyder? I mean, you know, they had a great president, John Weefald, and he did, you know, he gave uh Coach Snyder a lot of resources to do what he had to do, but who had a greater impact? on the national perception of Kansas state and Manhattan, Kansas, than Bill Snyder. I mean, that's the best investment uh, K-State ever made. You're right about that. Hey coach. So let's talk a little bit about Kansas coach. You were able to take a program that was struggling and to be able to get it to the position to where you was at. Obviously that took a little time. It took you to be able to get the right players you had to develop the right culture. What was the um, things that were able to move and get you going in that direction rather quickly to get Kansas at playing at a high level, not just competitive football, but playing on a championship type level that quickly? You know, when we first went in there, you got to be like a doctor a little bit. You know, you got to kind of diagnose what the problem is and then put together a plan for healing and a prescription and treatment and all that. And that's pretty much what you have to do. And, you know, I realized shortly after arriving at Kansas that Kansas and Kansas State are different places. They're in the same state. They're all good people, but they're different. And what I mean right. by that is, is that K-State was willing to uh, do what they had to do to provide resources for Coach Snyder to get that thing turned around. And they put up a lot of money. They begged, borrowed, and I don't even know. Maybe they stole some of it. I don't know. But they didn't have (laughs) a lot of money. Uh, But, uh, you know, they brought Coach Snyder in. And, uh, you know, it's kind of the same thing. He looked around. he he, He noticed what needed fixed, what needed repaired. And the first thing you start with is trying to develop a culture of winning. And it mm-hmm. starts with you you coach players firm, you have discipline and things like that, but you give them respect and they'll return the respect. And once you have that mutual respect and players see themselves getting better personally as a team, they buy in. And we were able, it took a while, but we were able to develop that culture. But I didn't have some of the things that K-State, you know, had or, or was getting at the time. But I didn't care about that because I just thought that if we could tell kids, come to Kansas, and they'll say, well, your facilities are average, you have one lately, why should I come? And we would tell them and their family, you know, faith is something that, you know, you believe in something that you can't see. And I promise you, your kids will do well as students, as men, and they'll win their share of football games. That's all I can tell you. 
I can't promise who's going to be first string. I can't tell you we're going to win the Big 12 or a national championship. If they come, they'll be better young men for it. And we were able to get some really key guys in the state of Kansas, uh, outside of state, uh, outside of Kansas. We recruited hard in, in uh, St. Louis, Kansas City, uh, Dallas, Houston, most of Texas. And we were able to get kids, you know, that we thought would make a good Big 12 player, fit what we were teaching, fit our systems. And we had good coaches that recruited. And we were able to get kids that, you know, the first thing we asked is, number one, you got to want to get a college degree. And you got to you got to be a young person that's ambitious in all areas of life. Then after that, we got that established. We checked the academics. And then the one of the key things, we look for toughness. Guys that will work hard, uh, n- not complainers, no whiners. Guys that will buy in and just work their tail off. And on game day, they're tough as nails. Win or lose, the other team knows they've been in a tough game. And and we follow that. We follow those guidelines for most of the time, you know, for all the time I was there. And, you know, it took a while, but we eventually got results. We just didn't have the football resources that K-State had at the time. But, hey, you know, you can sit around and cry about it and whine and complain, or you can get off your butt and do something about it and make yourself better and make your program better. And that's what we chose to do. So what was your record against Kansas State? Um, eight seasons at Kansas, we were four and four. That's what I thought, 500. That's what I thought, exactly. And I hated you for that, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. There's probably a lot of people who hate me, but I I don't uh, worry too much about it. At least you're honest about it. You said it to my face. <laughs> No, I said it to your voice. Yeah. Yeah, my voice. That's it. Uh, so coach, you you were on the staff for that 1998 K-State team who people still talk about is probably the greatest K-State team in history. And had they won that Big 12 championship game, could have probably been playing for the national championship. So I was just wondering if you had any thoughts about that team or memories about that 1998 team. Well, you know, I hate to say this, like a lot of people at K-State that coached or played that game, you know, it's a game that is to this day is still stuck to me. And uh, Mm -hmm. losing that game at A&M in St. Louis, that was a tough, that was a tough loss. That was really a tough loss because we had opportunities to win that game and you know, we just it just came unhinged there in the second half. And uh, but that team, what a great team, great players, great kids of character. Those kids were great kids, great human beings. They played their tail off. I don't know. I can't tell you about the history of K-State football. It's got to go down as one of the best, if not the best team that ever they ever had there. Now I know that K state won the big 12 and things of that sort had a big streak of bowl games. That 98 team was special. It just, you know, that Texas A&M game, just uh, everything that could go wrong, went wrong in the second half. And it's a game to this day that still, it's still stuck in my crawl. I'll be honest with you. Well, will you bring up something nice, Joe, to talk about? <laughs> well, that's, I'm, that's something nice. I'll let Reggie hey, go hey, first. <laughs> well, uh, well, Mark, 
I knew Joe would bring that one up, and I got to ask you, because I, I spoke to Coach Stoops about a year ago about this subject, and it was always because because I was right there in St. Louis with you on that game, side-by-side side with you guys, devastated in that loss in 98. Um, there was always this conspiracy theory that you guys as a staff, especially the ones that were going to with Bobby down to Oklahoma, wasn't as focused on the game. Would you just put that bullshit to, to excuse my language, to, to rest right now, Mark? Yeah, I can only speak for myself. I want to make it perfectly clear. I had not been offered a job by Bob Stoops prior to the Texas A&M game. That came after, way after. So, yeah, that is bullshit. I agree with you. Uh, I worked my ass off, and everybody did, to try to win that game against A&M. Grind like we always grind. Worked all the long hours. We always worked. And the game meant something to me as a person as well as a coach. And I just got telling you, you know, I just told you a minute ago, that game is still stuck in my crawl. If I was ready to run out the door, I wouldn't feel bad about it. But that was not the case. I was not even offered a job. Mike and Brent were offered first. They went. Then after that game, maybe it might have been, oh, God, it was long. Two or three weeks later, Bob called. And I think, you know, he wanted to hire me, but he had reservations about trying to take another guy off the K-State staff. Right. But, but at the end of the day, Bob and I were tight. We're friends. We're both from the same area, Youngstown, Ohio, Newcastle, Pennsylvania, we got a lot in common. You know, we have a kindred spirit. And at the end of the day, he went ahead and he bit his tongue and he said, well, I got to, I got to, I got to offer Mangino a job. I want him here. It was way later. It, uh, it was not, uh, I had no job offer nor had a conversation with Bob prior to the Texas A&M game. And Mike and Brent, those guys are competitors. They might have been leaving, but they wanted to win that dang game. Now, don't let anybody tell you anything different. No doubt. And I, no doubt. And I spoke to both of them candidly, and I know they did, definitely. So, Mark, then you go to uh, Oklahoma, and you guys won the national championship. So you go from, you know, your first D1 coaching gig, making $8,500 a year, to now you're on a staff that wins the national championship. So how was that feeling? Oh, well, uh, you know, financially it was better, but uh, that wasn't the, re you know, I never coached for money. I, yeah. I've coached, I've coached at small colleges and high schools for $1,500 stipends, you know, uh, coaching uh, just things led to things for me, but I will say that, you know, it, it was a, a fun time in my life to be at Oklahoma. A lot of guys on that staff, we were friends before we ever got there. So we had a lot in common. We were able in a short period of time uh, with some great players and some former walk-ons. I think uh, we started four walk-ons the first game of the year and uh, former walk-ons. And those guys played in the national championship game too. And some of them started. Uh, so it was a good mixture of kids. Again, like that 98 team at Kansas State, good character guys, kids that love to play. Kids will hit you in the mouth out on that field. They'll, you know, they'll get after you. So I was very thankful to be a, a part of that. And, uh, you know, we had a good time, too. We did. You know, a lot of us were friends, as I said, before we went there. We spent a lot of time with our families and stuff. Um, you know, I didn't leave K-State for any other reason 
then I thought it would be another step forward for me in my career. I had a family and two kids to take care of. And, you know, I had to keep those things in mind. And for me, uh, it was, you know, I had to think about it. I mean, I left Bob hanging for quite a while, quite a while. And he just kept calling and calling. I said, Bob, you know, I got a daughter. It's a junior in high school. I got a son. And, uh, you know, going to ninth grade, I said, it's hard to pull these kids out of school and everything. And so my wife and I had a talk one night and she told me, she says, hey, here's what you need to do. I know you want to go to Oklahoma with your buddies and Bob and all the guys. We'll stay in Manhattan for 18 months. We'll get Samantha through high school at Manhattan High. And her and Tommy will move down to Norman in 18 months. And I, I lived in some ramshackle apartment on a mattress on a floor uh didn't have any dishes silverware anything but i made it because i had good friends that cared about me and stuff so uh, going to kansas state originally was a great decision and so was the decision to go to oklahoma no doubt coach you talk about the oklahoma move uh i mean being the oc Bob was finally able to get you in a position to be able to call plays. Tell me about that experience with, of being able to call plays at Oklahoma uh, under Bob. Well, as you know, I originally went there as, I don't know, I was assistant head coach, run game coordinator. We didn't even run the ball then. Uh, yeah. And uh, whatever, offensive line coach. So Mike Leach was there the first year we were with Mike, and Mike was very popular, both with his style of offense, his personality. People liked him. And when he left after the first year, there were a lot of people concerned what direction would the program go in. But Bob called me in, and he said, you're going to be the offensive coordinator. And he said, it's going to be your show. And he, he told me about some guys he was considering being a quarterback coach so I could stay with the offensive line. And ultimately, we brought uh, Chuck Long in, and Chuck was just a great asset to, to the program. He was a smart guy. He understood quarterback play. He understood the passing game very well. And also, he was a good team player. Chuck was a good wingman to have. Mm -hmm. he, he, he had my back. I had his back. But there was intense pressure on me because the fans were upset that Mike had left and that a line coach was taking over. And, uh, you know, through that spring and summer, you know, there was a lot of naysayers and, you know, people taking shots at you. But, you know, that comes with the turf. That's all part of the job, you know. And uh, I was just fortunate enough to have a nice bunch of kids, good kids, tough kids, talented kids. And we were able to put it together and win 13, go 13 and 0, win a national championship. So my first year of actually calling plays, I got lucky. I won a national championship. Exactly. That doesn't happen for everybody, so I'm very fortunate. No doubt, it go coincide with everything. When you before you took the position to Kansas, coach, did were there any other opportunities coming off of that national championship year before the Kansas offer? No, nothing of significance, Reggie. Nothing that yeah. that that I thought would be good for me or my family or. You know, uh, nothing, not a great situation or anything like that. And I just kept working. You know, hey, I was lucky. I lived in Manhattan eight years. We loved it. We raised our kids there. Great community. 
We go to Norman, another great place, good college town. My wife and I, we plan to be there, you know, at least six, seven years, you know, let our son right. graduate high school there and everything. So I wasn't looking either. And there was inquiries and stuff with my uh, legal representative, but nothing that I thought was better than being the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma. So, and then after the 2001 season, I think we went 10 and two, maybe 11 and two after the bowl game. But uh, there were some people reaching out about things, but I knew Kansas was open. And all I kept telling myself, ah, I'm not going to get in a running area. You know, I've been at K-State eight years and, you know, I know what's over there and I know that's a monumental task. And right now, the way K-State is and the Big 12 is, it might be one of the toughest jobs in the country. So yeah. I didn't say anything. In fact, Mike Stoops, his name was bannered around and we were kind of cheering for Mike that he would get it. And then one day I got a call from their headhunter. And wanted to know if I was interested. And I said, well, I got to think about that now. I said, I don't know. I said, right. it's a great place. My daughter goes to school there. It's a beautiful place. Lawrence is a great town. It's a great university. But, you know, we're talking football. So a few days later, the athletic director calls me. And then they asked me if I'll go for an interview in Lawrence. And I said, no, I got to get out on the road and recruit. And they said, you won't come here for an interview? And I said, I'm sorry, I just can't because I don't want to lose out on my recruits if, in case, you know, I'm staying at Oklahoma. Right. So they said, right. okay, right. we'll fly down. Will you meet us at the Oklahoma City Marriott at the airport and we'll come and see you? So I said, yeah, I'd be willing to do that. You know, I mean, you, you folks have been good to me, but I said, I'm not making any promises. Then they had me on this phone call with, uh, they had a 12 member committee. Okay. And I, I did it. You know, I did the call. I answered every question as thorough as I could. But uh, not long after that, the AD called me and said, Would you take this job if it was offered? And I said, No. I said, I think I'm going to stay here at Oklahoma. You know, we've got a great program here. We're going to win. My family likes it here. I appreciate your interest, but uh, no. I thought it was done. He calls me the next night, and he's talking about he can do this and do that, and not necessarily money, things that they can right. do to help the program. Mm -hmm. uh, and I said, well, listen, I appreciate your call and your interest. I said, you got a great place. I know you'll find a great coach, but I'm not coming. I'm not interested. So I called Bob at night and I tell him, Bob, I'm going to stay. And he said, okay, great. And he said, you can get a pay raise too. So, uh, you know, I was happy with that. And uh, Kenny Mossman at the time, our sports information director released a statement that I was staying and not going to Kansas. And it was all the papers. Right. And next thing you know, they're calling me again. They're sending somebody to see me. They're quoting Gal Sayers and all this stuff. <laughs> And I said, nah, you know, I don't think. So after a while, I just sat down and said, listen, there's only 12 big, there's only 12 big 12 programs, power five. I don't know what's good. I don't know what's going to happen in my career. We could go up, we could go down. I could do a lousy job the next year. So I thought about it and uh, I did say yes. And they said, good, because Gal Sayers was on that call. And I knew he was because he asked me questions. And they said, when you got off the line, he told everybody, he said, well, that's your guy. You better get him. 
So that was like, you know, a whistle for the AD. You bet if Gal Sears said you better get somebody, you better get him. So yeah, that's why he was so intense. He was out of breath on the phone. <laughs> he was saying and, uh, that's, that's what I was gonna ask you. Is they they really wanted you. They aggressively they wouldn't take no for an answer. So, so. Oh. so my <laughs> wife said, Well, you know, you've done dumber things. I said, well, I know. I said, but if this works out, great. And if it doesn't work out, chalk it up to another stupid thing I did in my life. So we went to Kansas. I put the best staff together I could get. And, you know, it was really hard. The, the first couple of years there were, at, they were brutal. That's how hard they were. I, I told you we went two and 10 the first year. And uh, Kansas State beat us 68 nothing, and Coach Snyder did everything but make his running backs run backwards in the fourth quarter to try to not run it up. So I knew we had work to do, but I never gave up. And I had good people around me, and you know my family always encouraged me. And Bob Stoops, he called me all the time, say, hang in there until you get some athletes. You'll be all right. And don't worry about it, blah, blah, blah. So me and Bob would talk a lot. And I just had faith in our assistant coaches. I had faith in the kids that we recruited. And eventually, over time, we were able to put together a, a really solid program at KU. But I was blessed to have some really good kids there. You know, there were some kids that could have went other places. They came to our place because they really thought that, you know, we might have a plan to make it better. And so many in-state kids, you know, over the years, the Brandon McAndersons, the Jake Sharps, the Kerry Myers. You know, those guys, I mean, they yeah. believed they believed in us. They believed in staying home in state. And, you know, and there were others, uh, Daryl Stuckey, and, you know, I'm probably forgetting guys, but, boy, what a good bunch of kids. And they were determined to be good. They wanted to be good, and they were willing to pay the price for it. So it ended up turning out really good at Kansas, and I had eight seasons there, and I enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, uh, things didn't end the way I'd like, but uh, – I only share five percent of the blame for that. And, and coach, I don't want to. Yeah, you know, we're not going. We understand that that thing didn't go that everybody liked the way it went. But I, do you think the the way that you brought the kids in and the coaching hard did that come back to catch up with us in any way? Was just a bad apple or so come through there? And we don't need to get into specifics. No. Nah. But no, what, what it was is that, you know, I can't, you know, I, I long time ago, not at my behest, they wanted a non-disclosure agreement before we'd settle. And I didn't want to do it because first of all, I'm not a guy that complains and I'm not going to go out and cry. You know, who the hell sounds good trying to defend themselves in public, whether you did something wrong or you didn't, you always sound bad. So I was no willing bad. to walk no right bad. off in the sunset and, and I did in my, my own business, but they wanted a non-disclosure agreement. So I'm not going to get too deep into that. And first of all, I wouldn't do it because I've right. got a lot of respect for Travis Goff, the, the new AD there, and Lance Leipold. He and I, you know, we've we've corresponded. I've, I knew him in the past a little bit, but got to know him and, you know, actually helped him prep for his interview at Kansas because I think he's a hell of a football coach and would do a great job there. But uh, what you did is uh, there was no really any – there was one kid and his father complained a lot, but they did for four years. But right. what they did is, uh, you know, they they looked for the malcontents. They looked for the guys that were, you know, had problems socially, academically, and they got maybe like, you know, four or five guys. I wasn't playing them because they weren't dependable and they had issues. 
and uh, they were able to interrogate them and you know get them to say things that not really true, embellished, taken out of context. But you know what? Let me tell you this, guys. There's a lot better coaches than me that have been fired for less. And it's it's a part of the game. It's big business. You get personality clashes and things of that. When you have success, you know, John Kennedy had a great quote that I thought fit me perfectly at Kansas. Victory has a thousand fathers, but defeat is an orphan. And what that means is you got it. You know what I'm saying? You know, when people, somebody doesn't want you or doesn't like you, doesn't like the way you look, the way you talk, whatever it is, you can't stop it. You can try. And I wasn't going to get out there in front of TV cameras and, and try to state my case because I believe where I come from, the way I was raised, the truth sets you free. And that's where I'm at. But I'm going to tell you now, let me say this. Travis Goff and Lance Leopold Leipold, have done everything they possibly can since they got to KU to make me be a part of it. They really right. have. Good. They have me out there for Nick Reed when uh, Nick was in, uh, in the uh, putting a ring of honor, and I went out there, and, man, they treated me first class. They showered me with gifts and all kind of things and put me up in a nice room and paid for all expenses and spent quality time. Now, Lance, he's a coach. He can't spend too much time. But Travis Goff spent a lot of quality time with me. I have nothing against those guys. And I have nothing against the University of Kansas as an institution. I don't. You know, you got to understand, my daughter graduated there. My son got his master's there. My son-in-law got his MBA at Kansas. I have no hard feelings. It's water over the dam. These are new guys with a new vision. They're first class. They know how to treat people. And I think that's why that football program is up and rolling because these guys know what they're doing. Well, that's only the profound words, Mark. I know, Coach, that you would do the one I know. Uh, Like I said, once again, I appreciate you coming on to visit with me and Joe. And I appreciate you personally pushing me to be the best version of me that I can uh, and, and always and being coached hard. It, it definitely paid off in the later part of life for me personally. So I want to well, say thank you, coach. Well, and you're welcome. And you know, Reggie, uh, let's tell like it is. You weren't a guy that needed to push too hard. You right. were self-motivated. You wanted to be somebody. You wanted to be the guy you, you could count on. You know, if, if we needed to make a play on defense, you wanted to be the guy that made the play. Uh, and, and you know, I appreciate guys like you, and you've become successful in life. And tell you the truth, I love that. When my former players at any school I coach, they tell me they got good jobs, they got their own business, they got two or three kids. I get invited to their weddings and things like that. You know, I just love it because it made this mission as a coach worthwhile. And All right, uh, can, I, can I, I ask I, one I more question? I enjoy around you guys. <laughs> can I ask one more question coach yes sir I mean I was going to ask about Reggie but I think that covered it for me so can you give us one specific Bill Snyder story 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I've got a lot of them. And, uh, <laughs> or give yeah, us a lot. Most of them are funny. I mean, it, they're not derogatory toward Coach Snyder. I never had that kind of relationship with them. Right. But he can, you know, he, he can be, you know, here's a lot of things people, here's one of the things people don't know about Coach Snyder. I was with him for eight years. At that time, I was one of the longest tenured coaches he had. And he depended on me and relied on me for a lot of things. And I always, you know, I took pride in delivering. You know, you, your boss asks you to do something, you're going to get it done. And, uh, you know, privately, when it wasn't like in a crunch time or anything, he has a wry sense of humor. And yeah. I know he's got a lot of chuckles <laughs> at my expense. One day, I decided, and I think it was in ninth. 1994, the year we went to the Aloha Bowl, that I was going to get on this weight control program. I was going to work out every day, eat less. And it was working. I mean, I had lost a significant amount of weight during the season. So I would go out and walk around the field and occasionally walk the steps, but I wasn't that ambitious. <laughs> I didn't know this. Coach Snyder being in his office, he'd watch me at lunchtime every day do that. And he'd call assistant coach and said, no, watch Mark here. He'll walk three times around the field and he'll go inside and take a shower. And the guys would laugh. And, you know, it was kind of funny because there were some days I only wanted to walk two or three laps and go take a shower. He got a big kick out of that. He'd tell us, look out the window, look at Mark, look at his workout. Two times around, go take a shower. And he would joke with me about that stuff. And then there's a lot of stories, you know, different things. You know, he could... I'll tell you this last one. I don't want to keep you guys too long. No, you when, when, when Bob Stoops and I were at K-State, we played racquetball at noon every day. But there's a 1 o'clock staff meeting, so you got to get your butt back to the office and be at that 1 o'clock staff meeting with Coach Snyder. Mm -hmm. Well, it was during the season. It was a Tuesday, and everybody knows that Coach Snyder on Tuesdays has his press conference. So there's no 1 o'clock meeting. So Bob and I are playing, and we're getting after it pretty good. And Bob says to me, he said, hey, let's play an extra game or two. He said, coach usually doesn't have a staff meeting because he's got his press thing. I said, okay. So we play a couple extra games. We get we get back to the office oh, about 1.30, and we're walking down the hall, and coach was like, he said, man, you guys are in trouble. I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> coach had a 1 o'clock staff meeting today. We said, how could that be? He never has a one o'clock staff meeting on Tuesday. So me and Bob were saying, oh, boy, we're gonna, he's going to rip us. He's going to kick our butt. Who comes walking down the hall? Coach Snyder. And we were ready to get ripped. And he said, all right, who won? I said, I did. <laughs> he said, Bob, you better practice some more. And he kept walking. <laughs> so, you know, he, he would do things were unexpected. Normally, he would be ticked. He walked yeah. right by. He said, "Who won?" I said, "I did, Coach." He said, "Bob, you got to practice more." And he kept walking, and we said, <laughs> "We dodged a bullet." So that's and there's a lot of Coach Snyder stories. Most of them are good. Yeah, most, yeah. most of them are good. Yeah. All right, Coach, you got a prediction for this weekend? Oh no, I'm not getting in the middle of that thing. Let me tell you. <laughs> There's no okay. way. Hey, listen, at my age, I'm into making friends, not enemies. Yeah, I know that's right, Coach. All right, listen, I hope it's a great game. Uh, you know, because I was a head coach at Kansas, and, and, and I know Lance, I really don't know Coach Kleiman that well. 
I'm going to lean the needle a little bit to Kansas. But, hey, listen, if it ended up a 21-21 tie in 10 overtimes, I'd be happy. <laughs> I got you. I got you. That's a, that's a good answer, Coach. Definitely a good answer. We, well, Coach, we appreciate you. Tell the wife I said hello to the family. Hello, and uh, I'll be catching up with you soon and maybe catch you in Florida in the, in the winter months. There you go. You're always welcome. You know that. Coach, well, I really appreciate you, it. Yeah, Joe, yeah. good talking to you too, buddy. Good and talking you, to you, man. You guys have fun at that Sunflower Showdown. It's going to be a heck of a game. All right, yeah. we will. Thanks. Thanks, Coach. All right. See you guys. All right. Thanks. Bye. You're welcome. Well, Joe, that was a very good uh, that was conversation fantastic. with our good friend <laughs> Mark Mangino. He's a uh, he's a guy's guy, you know, East Coast Youngstown guy, hardworking football coach guy. Just tell it like it is. I appreciate him being very candid and open talking to us today. That was good. Oh yeah, I thought that was fantastic, man. So People are going to love that interview. <laughs> yeah, they'll love that one. I think real quick to snap a bowl last week in the Baylor, I think Kansas State just did a, a great job, executed all the way across the board. I just – I really, really do think the coaching, job, coaching staff prepared the players um, better than what they did for the week of Oklahoma. I think they learned, and I think the players responded just like we thought they would. I don't think many of us predicted 59 to 20-something the way it was, but we were close. We knew that it would be a comfortable win for K-State if K-State executed and did what they were supposed to do. Yeah, we both called it, and luckily we were both right. Yeah, they did a lot of things right in the game, and I will point out that the defense looked great. Two scores on defense, and they got after it. Probably more than I've seen all season. So they're really coming together and they're making plays and they're playing with excitement and aggressiveness and it's coming at the right time. I agree with you, Joe. I think you make an excellent point. I think the deep defensively, that first series, it kind of always takes them a minute to settle down. But I think mm -hmm. Coach Kleinerman's got them guys running and playing fast and reacting, not at afraid to make a mistake and it just seemed like they just more aggressive maybe that's a little bit more simplicity of the game plan or maybe they're just getting more comfortable with the defense as a cohesive yeah. unit you can see mm -hmm. the development as the season progressed and that's where the turnovers are coming into play because they're being aggressive that was a nice blitz that Kleinerman called when yeah, got the sack and then the scoop and score by Desmond Purnell. Everything is just, you can see them flying to the ball, making plays, stripping, being aggressive, and uh, it's, it's paying off. Because that was a pivotal, that scoop and score was a pivotal point in that game. That game could have went a little bit differently if we yep. don't score right there. Yep. Absolutely. Getting up 21-7, it took the wind out of their sails and gave all the wind to K-State, so... Yeah, that was the thing that propelled them onto the blowout. So, no, nah, so no doubt. So, my big ball of the week, uh, once again, uh, it, it, we got some great contenders. I think all the receivers did well. You know, Ben Sennett did well offensively. Um, 
Howard, once again, had a great game. DJ Giddings had a hell of a game as well, um, rushing and receiving the ball. And then the defense as a unit, I think, other than that really first drive, they really got after it and um, turned it up. I, I think my big baller, I'm going to go to that defensive unit across the board. I'm going to give it to the total defense, even though Howard probably deserves it again because he had another great game. But I just like the two scores on defense. Whenever you can get 12 points from your defense and kind of play the way they gave, they are the big ballers of the week. All right. No argument for me there. Yep. So you got uh, what you got for rapid fire today. All right. Let's do this. I know the Vegas point spread is ten and a half for the game Saturday. Uh, who covers? The Vegas point spread is up to ten and a half. Well, uh, that's I what I saw right. yesterday, but I didn't check. Yeah, you're today. probably right. I thought it was eight. Okay. I think it's right at the sweet number. I think ten is the number. I would buy it down a half a point and take ten. The half point scares me. Uh, I think K-State will cover the 10 right on the nose. I would buy it down to nine and a half or so. Uh, but I think that's where K-State will get it done. I think a touchdown and a field goal. So 10 and a half is a little bit too high for me. A half a point for my comfort level. Uh, I will take it at 10, and I think the catch cover. Ooh. Yeah, I, I just like to see that it, it started at eight, went up to 10. So. I like to see that. You know, so, I got I got four. Oh, four? A week before, yeah, the game was, yeah, a week before oh, okay. I got four. I got you. <laughs> oh, man. So you can see how the line has changed. Yeah. So, KU and K-State have uh, two of the top 20 rush offenses in the country. So... Uh, KU's ranked 17th and K-State is ranked 14th. And they both average about 200 yards a game rushing. So my question for you is, which team rushes for more yards on Saturday? I think K-State edges them out um, on Saturday, but I do think it will be close. I think KU is going to make some plays. They're going to move the ball a little bit. But I think Klanderman and that defensive staff does a very good job every time kind of adjusting to what's not working after they get a little movement on them. So I think K-State will adjust, clamp down, make the necessary uh, adjustments. But I am a little concerned at the middle linebacker spot with Romain uh, have to carry all the reps now in the middle where we just lost, um, what's his name for the season? Uh Who's the linebacker? I got uh, I got a brain freeze. Yeah, me too. He's he's he injured. He's injured for the season. That's going to hurt us. He was playing very well. Mm -hmm. I do think Austin Romaine is a good young linebacker, but him trying to have to cover the majority of the snaps will be a little bit tough as a true freshman. But I think he'll get it done. And I think linebacker by committee, K State will rally behind him to kind of slow that KU run game down. And uh, I think they'll hold them under 200 yards. All right. 
Do you have a favorite sunflower showdown memory? Yeah, probably way back uh, the first time, I think it was my sophomore or junior year when we had first beat KU for the first time. So that was either 90 or 91. Um, we hadn't beat KU in a while. That's probably my best memory. It's got to be 90. So maybe that's Snyder's second year or the third year. I'm not quite sure. It was a hot day. Very, that very, was 91. very hot. Uh, yeah, I'll never forget that one. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 91. Uh, very hot day. Muggy played a lot of plays that day. Uh, came down to the last bit to the end. Andre caught a nice pass. Coleman in that game, and we beat KU uh, for the, probably the first time in, some, in a while. Yeah, I have a funny story about that game. I was supposed to meet some friends there at the game, and I couldn't find them, but I was in the student section. And like you said, it was so hot, and the game, KU was winning. <laughs> and I left there in the probably midway through the fourth quarter. I walked back to the dorm. I you said, left the game early? Oh, yeah. And I've <laughs> since then I've sworn never to leave early <laughs> because I by the time I walk back to Moore Hall, I walk in the building and everyone's huddled around the radios because it wasn't on TV. Right. They're all huddled around the radios listening to the radio broadcast and everyone's cheering and what's going on? He was about to win. He said, no, we're coming back. We're coming back. We're driving now for the game-winning touchdown. <laughs> right. And then we ended up, you know, winning the game at the end. And I thought, oh, man, I can't believe I left that game early. But another story about that is when they tore the goalposts down, the people who dragged them dragged them right by Moore Hall. And then I followed it all the way down to Aggieville. So, yeah, yeah that's, was, that's a I, cool memory. So I remember that part because I was standing in Moore Hall as well. Uh, that's what that's where I stayed at uh, my first couple of years. So small world, yeah. More hall. <laughs> that's a long walk from the football facility, but it didn't is. seem that didn't seem that long back then. It took about fifteen people to drag that goalpost. <laughs> yeah, far. yeah. It took a, it took a lot, mm -hmm. but we got the KU game this week. Um, I'm gonna let you finish the rapid fire, but you talk about that um, rushing. Do you think I had a question for you before you finish? What quarterback do you think is gonna play? Unless that was gonna be uh, one. It of looks your like questions. Bean is gonna play practice yesterday, so I think it's gonna be Bean. So I think they got. I think it's gonna be Bean and Dane. Oh, really? I think they got. I think they pulling some up their sleeve. I think he's gonna play. Huh. Yeah, I haven't because even I think, heard grumblings of that, so that would kind of surprise me. I think he has one more game he can play before not have the red shirt, right? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. But... So we'll see. That should be interesting. Yeah. What else you got? Um. So. <laughs> I wanted to ask you your favorite Mark Mangino story. Probably my favorite Mark Gino story was uh, not really any bad stories like that. Mark was just one that was uh, a hard, hard, hard worker. 
he used to run the scout team, uh, meaning that he would do the cards when we were on defense, you know, giving us the look for the upcoming opponent. So that was a lot of my interaction with him because he was on the offensive side of the ball. But he wasn't a full-time position coach yet when I was still there. Uh, and I really don't have any, like, crazy, crazy memory other than him just, you know, being very assertive, pushing us, you know, on the scout team. And then, you know, some days you ain't feeling that type of level. Like, come on, coach. Yeah. Slow the scout team down a little bit. You know, we we got it. You know, yeah. maybe it was like on a like on a Thursday, which is not a hard practice. Tuesday, Wednesday is usually a hard practice. But Mazzino always stay locked in. Mm -hmm. And he's like pushing like and want to get the most out of you. And sometimes you have to be like, come on, coach, it is Thursday. Yeah. You know, we, we got it. Right. So that's the only really member I really got. All right. And I have one more for you before we get into our predictions for Saturday. So I'm listening to the radio this morning. And these guys are on, it's three guys on a national radio show. And they're talking about what teams are going to make the college football playoff. And they're talking about Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia, and Alabama. And they say, oh, that'd be the greatest 14 playoff for the last 14 playoff. And they're, I mean, they're talking about for 15 minutes about how it would be great if they put Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia in there. Two Big Ten and two SEC. They right. Think that would be great. And by the time, by after about 10 minutes of this, I'm just seeing red and I'm about to drive off the <laughs> highway. <laughs> because Michigan and Ohio State, when they play, that should be an elimination game. And when no Alabama and Georgia play, that should be another elimination game. I mean, they're no not doubt. even mentioning Texas and Florida State, and they barely mentioned Washington. And it's Oregon. just yeah, and Oregon. And that it's just that bias. And I'm I'm afraid that, you know, in the future, even though with the expanded playoff, that the Big 12 is gonna get screwed in a lot of this. I just the champion will probably make it every year, but other than that, I don't, you know, I don't see the well, Big Twelve getting in that large. But well, you make know. a good you make a good point. Here, here's my thoughts on that, Joe, and I've been thinking about this too because there's been a lot of discussion of how this thing could shake out. You could have multiple, multiple one-loss teams, i.e., Alabama, Georgia, Washington, Oregon, Texas. All can be one loss. And let's say Ohio State, you know, all them teams are one loss. We only got four spots. Yeah. So let's assume Florida State runs the table. They get a spot. The Michigan-Ohio State winner, they get a spot. That's two. But now you got five, six teams going for the other two spots. Yeah. Who gets it? Do you give it to the Big 12 champion? Let's say if it is Texas, let's just assume for sake, for conversation's sake, is it Texas? Do you give it to Georgia or Alabama? I mean, Georgia will run the table, but let's assume it's Alabama who wins. So Alabama has one loss, which is to Texas, but they win the SEC. I think you have to go to them. But then the question is, what do you do with Oregon and Washington? Let's mm -hmm. assume Oregon beats Washington in the Pac-12 
championship does Oregon jump Texas? Is the resume yeah. stronger? That's a hard debate to call. But for future, I think at the end of the day, the Big 12 champion has always went to the playoff. Yeah. They've never not went to the playoffs. So I don't I don't know. So they never not went to the playoffs. A Big 12 champion has always went to the playoffs. Has there been a year that the Big 12 champion has not since the playoffs? I don't know. Your TCU and Baylor, was that when OU made it in? I mean, I'm talking about if there's only a one loss or undefeated Big 12 yeah. champion. So let me clarify mm -hmm. that. If there's only a one loss or undefeated Big 12 champion, they've always went to the playoff. So not a not a two-loss Kansas State team last mm -hmm. year that won the Big 12. Yeah, they wouldn't go. But either a one-loss or undefeated Big 12 champion always went to the playoff. Well, yeah, because it's mostly been Oklahoma. Correct. It's been Oklahoma. So, so I don't I don't see a scenario if Texas went out and wins the Big 12 championship, um, I can still see them in there. Now, the Big 12 championship opponent is probably either going to be Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, or Kansas State. Those are the likely candidates. So how big a win is that going to be? They would have to beat Kansas State and Oklahoma twice in the same year I think that's a tough accomplishment. Uh, you know, I mean, they lost to Oklahoma one time, so they would have to re revenge the loss. I mean, so mm -hmm. it's still debatable. Oh, Texas yeah. might be on the short end of the stick, though. I don't know because of the success of the Pac-12. Yeah, at this point, it all gives me a headache. It's like trying to figure out the Big 12 tiebreakers. Yeah, that, <laughs> I said, well, and I wanted to talk to that before we close out. Now, that's, that's a murky subject there mm -hmm. uh, with them altering the rules or maybe they saying they clarify, but they didn't actually clarify the rules. They changed the rules. Yeah. And the that's too fast. That's almost downright ridiculous of the Big 12 to do that. Yeah. At this late in the game. No mm -hmm. matter what, we understand we're a little biased because of Kansas State. Look, this is a Kansas State podcast, but I just think collectively you can't just change the rule that you set at this late in the game, not right. this late. Maybe you change it for next year, not at this late in the game. That's my problem with it. Yeah. You got to change it next year. Keep what you had it going this year. It's, it's ridiculous. They no just matter wanted how. to take it. I mean, what they decided on last year doesn't make any sense. And now they're caught in a conundrum. Correct. <laughs> like, now, but so, you decided that. Right. For whatever reason. So you, I'm sure you vetted it. You did something. You had to, you know, you got some insight from it from somewhere. Now you can't all do something because it goes the other way. I think it's going to yeah. be a mute point because I think Oklahoma State may lose to Houston and it all yeah. go away. Right. Yeah, I'm going to let it play out at least one more week. Right. right. Get all worked up about it. But yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, we at least got to play the games first to see what's going on. Yep. All right. So what's your prediction for this weekend? 
I think we're going to have a tough game. Uh, I do think that Kansas State is playing at a high level right now. I do think that they're locked in. Even coming off the Texas loss, they responded very well. They didn't have any hangover factor. I think the kids from the state of Kansas, they get extremely jacked up about this game, and that's rubbed over to everybody else in the locker room. They know how important this game is. Uh, I cannot see Kansas State having any type of letdown, but Kansas is going to play hard. I think this is a year that Kansas – whether it's being that quarterback or whoever that quarterback, Lance Lightpole has proven that he is a good coach. He's got a good culture. They let one slip away last week against Texas Tech. I just think at the end of the day, we're going to make a couple of more plays more than Kansas. I think we'll win the game 31-21, uh, and, and we'll get it down, but it will go into a fourth quarter, probably at a one-possession type game, but I think we'll eke it out and get it done, and and win it not drama fashion, comfortably, but I think it'll be, uh, like I say, it'll be a little nip and tuck going into the fourth quarter, but I think we'll pull away. I agree. I think it'll be a close game throughout most of it. I'm thinking something like maybe 40 to 28 K-State, so I think that cover, and probably, you know, it's a one-score game until near the end of the fourth quarter when K-State kind of extends that lead. So, yeah, I think it, it, it'll it be more competitive than we want it to be. No doubt. And I, I think K-State will come out on top. Yeah, and I think because Kansas is going to play hard, I mean, they're going to be emotionally, they're going to be fired up. It is a night game. Uh their guys are going to be, uh, you know, ready to go. But I think we will be composed. I think we're the better coaching staff. Uh, and I think where our talent level is just a little bit better than Kansas. We got more, more players. And I think the experience of quarterback with Will Howard and the offense, along with the way the defense collectively is playing well, I think we'll make a play or two here to get it done, and uh, and we'll get out of there with a win. Yep, I sure hope so. Yeah, so I'm going 31-21 Kansas State. And I'm 40-28. All right, that should be good. Well, Joe. All right, man, great, good podcast. Great show today, great podcast. Looking forward to Saturday. Go Cats. Go Cats. Talk to you Take later. Care. Have a good one. You too, man. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.